Mac Power Users, Episode 51, Menu Bar Madness. Well, hello, everyone. It's David Sparks. Back along with Katie Floyd. Hello, Katie. Hey, David. I'm ready to get mad about menu bars, I guess. Yeah, it's a long time coming. We thought we'd do a show where we kind of covered the stuff in our menu bars, and we've expanded the outline. We're going to also cover docs and the dashboard. So uh, this will be a fun episode just to kind of jump through different apps that we find useful every day. And uh, looking forward to seeing what the feedback is on this one as well. I'm sure we'll discover some new cool stuff. Yeah, make sure you post those comments. Actually, we although we love getting your emails, make sure you post those on the blog, though, so everybody can can benefit. But there are gazillions of menu bars, dashboards, and, and doc actually modifier apps out there. So um, uh, I'm sure we're only going to just hit the tip of the iceberg today. But we thought we'd kind of work through uh, our list and, and tell you what we use. And, and maybe you'll find some gems in there. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so what we're going to do for the show is we're going to cover, like I said, the menu bar, the dock, and the dashboard. We're going to go through each one and just kind of talk through the stuff we use. Yeah. All right, Let's you first. Well, do we want to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what these things are up in the menu bars and, and why you have them and kind of the pros and cons of having too many or not enough? Go for it. Okay, so... Do you remember back in the days of OS 8 and OS 9 when uh, you would start up your screen and along the bottom there would be all these extensions that would load? There's a point to this story, I promise. Okay. And, you know, I used to think, you know, all these extensions would do really cool things. And I used to think, you know... I, I would have like screens and screens of extensions loading and, and the, the more extensions, the cooler my Mac would get. And then all of a sudden I realized these things can really slow, slow it down. So I went on this total rampage and I got rid of everything except those that I absolutely used. And I kind of went through and, you know, my Mac was all speedier again. And I kind of went through that that same thing with my menu bars at one point. And then now we've gotten to the point with with modern Macs where... I just kind of go and, you know, I'm going to load them. I'm going to try them. If I use it, I'll keep it. If I don't, I'll get rid of it. But I do have a fair number of menu bars. I'm wondering if, if maybe I need to, to clean out because I'm sure I'm going to find more after after this episode. But but keep in mind that, you know, menu bars are little applications that are running. They are going to take up your memory. If you log into your activity monitor, you you will see the system resources that they're using. So something to keep in mind. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, the modern Macs are so fast, and if you look at, you know, in fact, if you use a menu bar app to follow your resources, uh, you'll see that a lot of these use just very small amounts of resources, and it's not that big of a deal. I, I think that's not as big of a problem as it used to be. Right, but I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners out there who maybe aren't using the most modern Macs. Yeah, that's true. So things to things to just keep an eye out for. And remember that a lot of applications, unfortunately, install menu bars that maybe you don't want and maybe you you don't need. And you can turn off if you don't need to. Yeah, but there's a trick to that. Sometimes they automatically load every time you boot up. And so you think you've got rid of it and it just keeps coming back. And to do that, you need to go into, let's just walk through it, system preferences. And I'm waiting for mine to load here. Uh-huh. Was it? Is it accounts? It's, yeah, it's users and groups, right? Yeah, it's system preferences, and then it's accounts, and then you go into your user account, uh, yes. and you look at your login, login items. items, right? Yeah, exactly. And then you'll see them there, and it's kind of a misleading dialog box because it's got 
um, little boxes for check marks next to them. That's actually to hide them. Right. That's not to disable them. Yeah. So you'll look at it and say, oh, I only have two checks, so I don't have that many loading. And that's not true. So you want to go through and select any ones that you want. Just click on it and then hit the little minus icon button below and it will delete it. So next time you boot up, it doesn't show up. Right. And you also um, may or may not be able to disable them from within their parent application. Sometimes the applications will be nice, and when you disable them, they'll actually remove them from here. Sometimes not. Yeah. So always good to check both places. So, okay. All right. Now that we've we've given our little warning about menu bars, because I knew if we didn't, someone would write in and say, "Oh, yeah, they're taking up resources." Yeah, everything does. Everything but does. I don't think these take too many. And and you'll know, you know, if you if you run one once in a while, I'll uh, well, you know, I'm going to talk more about uh, resources later. So let's just let's just get started. Okay. You first. All right. Well, the uh, the first one, and I'm going to talk about ones that, that are normally always in my screen. I mean, sometimes you have ones in your screen when certain applications launch and then are gone when you close those applications. So I'm just going to cover the ones that are always there. Um, the first one that I have is a uh, menu bar called Sound Source. And this is maybe only interesting if you're a podcaster or you do a lot of things with audio or you have a lot of audio inputs or outputs. Uh, we'll we'll have links in the show notes, by the way, to all of these, so you can you can get them. But um, Sound Source is a, a quick little menu bar that will allow you to drop down and quickly select what do you want the input and output settings to be for your sound. So, do I want my output to be my headphones? Do I want it to be the audio display because I have a uh, Apple. Um, monitor plugged in? Do I want it to be the fast track that I use for recording podcasts? Um, Or do I want it just set to whatever the system setting is? And I can set those settings both for um, input and output it. And it also gives me direct access to the sound preferences and the audio MIDI setup. Yeah, it's not quite, I mean, it's more powerful than holding down the option key when you tap the volume menu bar icon that, that comes with the Snow Leopard at least does a little bit more, but I find that just holding down the option key and tapping the, the volume uh, menu bar item in Snow Leopard usually gives me enough. Yeah, you can also change the volume levels of, uh, of each of these in Sound Source. Yeah, and that is a free app from Rogue Amoeba. Correct. And a great software developer, and they've got some cool stuff. But uh, Sound Source is what they call a freebie. Right. That's a good one. All right, what have you got? Uh, you know, the first one I'm going to put is I just want to get out before I forget because it's so useful, although I don't use it anymore. And that's back when I had a two gigabyte MacBook Air and I was constantly paging out memory. And I found this uh, app called iFreeMem. And it is uh, it's out by a company called Activ- Activata, uh, which is a UK company. And uh, it's a great app. And what it does is it, it flushes the memory of your Mac. And, you know, I know that the Mac's supposed to do this automatically, but this allows you to force it. And when I had the two gigabyte MacBook Air, I was, occasionally things would slow down because memory would run out. And I would do this and it would go through and clear out the memory for stuff I wasn't using. And it goes right in the menu bar, gives you a little meter so you know when things are getting critical and you tap the button and you're cleaning it. I felt like it was something that should ship with every two gigabyte Mac. And now that people are buying these two gigabyte MacBook Airs again, I recommend that one if you're driving one of those. Um, but I think you also more importantly recommend, and I completely agree, uh, spend the extra hundred bucks to do the BTO option to upgrade it to a four gigabytes, right? Yeah, exactly. Now I have a four gigabyte MacBook Air. I don't use it anymore. Okay. But when I had the two gig, it made a difference. Okay. 
Um, the next menu bar app is one I use all the time. It stays in my menu bar 24-7. It's called Caffeine. It's now available in the Mac App Store, which is nice. It's a freebie. Um, and Caffeine is just a little coffee cup that sits up in your menu bar, and it will keep your um, screensaver from activating, and it will keep your screen from dimming. And I'm sure we've all been in those embarrassing situations where you're giving a keynote presentation. Perhaps you stay on the same slide too long because you're explaining something or you're doing a demo, um, and all of a sudden your screensaver kicks on. Uh, and in my case, my screensaver is a bunch of family pictures. And depending on the setting you're in, that may be cute or it may be embarrassing. Um, and Caffeine is a, an app that will keep that from happening. So it's free, it's easy, and it just makes sure that your, your Mac screen doesn't dim or go to sleep while you're in the middle of something important. You can also, uh, if you hold down the option key, um, set it so you can activate it indefinitely or you can activate it and say, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes, an hour, two hours, five hours, if you want it to auto turn itself off after a period of time. Yeah, you know, another good use for caffeine is when you, you know, every couple of weeks want to run your battery down. I, I like to kill my battery every two or three weeks uh, because so often my, my backbook here is plugged in and I figure it's healthy for the battery to run it down. And I guess that's a whole other discussion. But the, uh, you know, the, the thing is the Mac is so efficient that when you're trying to run the battery down, it does everything to prevent you from running the battery down. It dims the screen and does all these things. So on those days where you're saying, okay, today the battery will die, just turn on caffeine in the morning, and that'll help you along. Um, another app, just as a side, that I've used for that, that um, does things a little bit differently. It's not a menu bar app, though, so I'm cheating. It's called Jiggler, and it will just jiggle the mouse um, every minute, every two minutes, however often you set. Really? Mm-hmm. But does that help? the battery any faster than just leaving the screen bright? Um, well, it's it's also good for different situations, um, like when you're taking traffic school online, and it will <laughs> notice if you've been inactive. Not that I've ever used it for that. Of course not. No. You would never do such I, a thing. I would never do such a thing. But, oh, my gosh, it's so boring. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. Um, I, I Here's a new one I just bought, and it's the one that everybody's talking about. It's the... Um, Fantastico. Have you heard about this? I was actually part of the beta, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You were, weren't you? Well, the developer okay, so, shot us an email and said, hey, check this out. I think when we were doing yeah. our calendar show. Yeah, exactly. So we so we got to play with it beforehand. But uh, I just really love it. Um, uh, it's called Fantastical. It's $15, and it's in the App Store. And it's a lot for you know menu bar app. But it, it really does a great job of making your calendar easily visible to you. And it uses this fuzzy logic to add events, which is way better than the way you do it normally in iCal. Because I actually use iCal all the time. So, you know, normally you want to open an event in iCal. You've got to fill in each field. You've got to click the box on all the different fields, blah, 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 blah. Uh, with Fantastical, it's a menu bar app. You click it. There's a little bar at the top. You can say record Mac Power Users 51 with Katie next Thursday at 2.30 p.m. And it parses that and pulls out all the relevant pieces and creates an event next Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. And it says, record Mac Powers with Katie. It, it just does a great job. And then it shows you what it did to say, did I get it right? And normally it does, but if there's just a little bit of a tweak you need, you can make it. So you can create new events for iCal uh, with a lot of sophistication without having to go into iCal and put yourself through that. So it's, it's really great for that. That's where the $15 is worth it, in my opinion. 
But as a bonus, it also gives you a really nice calendar in your menu bar. Uh, very pretty. Uh, they've got little staples in the top of the calendar. I mean, they just they went out of their way to make it look nice. And I, uh, I'm real happy with that purchase. Are you in? Yeah, I like it a lot because it also um, does something that some of my other calendars doesn't. It seems to sync, and I'm not sure if it does it natively or if it's just doing it through the, the CalShare. I think it's doing it through the CalShare uh, with my exchange calendars that I use at work. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Well, the, the events show up. Um, I use BusyCal, which I'll go ahead and talk about in just a second since we're talking about calendars. Um, but in BusyCal, it doesn't offer – that's my – I love BusyCal, but my one little problem with BusyCal is that it doesn't offer native support um, for Exchange, although I know John's working on it. Um, so what I have to do is I have to launch iCal. iCal has to sync up with Exchange. All that information gets into iCal. I quit iCal, and then you know, BusyCal is linked up with that information. Um, and I don't know if uh, if Fantastical is kind of works the same thing, or if it's or if it's natively um, pulling from my Exchange calendar or not. But the events are showing up. Well, I know the developers spent time working with the BusyCal people to make sure everything works with their with their app as well. Yeah. So I mean, they they not only did they make it pretty, they made it right. right. So it's a great app. It's you know fifteen dollars. I know I wrote about it. Max Barkey, and a lot of people said, "Oh, hey, man, that's just way too much money." But, uh, and I can see that, but I, I think it was worth the 50 bucks. Yeah. Um, just moving on, since we're in the realm of calendars, I use the, um, the BusyCal calendar notification system. Um, and BusyCal, I do like Fantastical, and, and you can customize it to some degree, but it's a pretty big interface, although you can customize it down a little bit. But BusyCal, I like to kind of get a quick heads-up view, um, especially of what am I doing today, what do I have to do today. And the BusyCal um, has a app that sits in your menu bar. It synchronizes with the BusyCal alarms, so it will give you the alarms. Uh, and it will tell you um, not only what you're doing today. I have um, two appointments on my calendar, one of which is record with you. Um, it also, if you use iCal and or BusyCal or the Mac OS X, you know, Cal or Tasks um, store to manage your task, it will also show you what tasks you have to do today. Um, so it's got both uh, events and tasks, which I really like uh, in the BusyCal. So do you do you link your OmniFocus tasks over to your calendar, iCal? I used to, and now it's hard to do with CalDev. Yeah. Um, That's what I was saying. So what, what tasks do you see there? But what tasks I see there actually are my work tasks from Exchange. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, cool. so I have, um, because I, in Exchange, my assistant, it's a very convoluted system, um, but my assistant at work can assign me tasks within the Exchange system at our office yeah. um, and vice versa. So anything that she has assigned me or anything that anybody else in the assign, uh, at, at the office has assigned me through that system, so I kind of have multiple task systems that I have to monitor that show up in Exchange, uh, sync up with my iCal, and then show up there. Two task systems. That's that's scary. It is, but that's how my office rolls. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I just put my foot in the sand. They're like, we have no idea what tasks you're working on, you know, because they use this Outlook based thing. And I'm like, well, too bad. <laughs> if I die, you know, call Katie and she'll show you. How to <laughs> she'll show you how to get it. Database. Oh well, good. I'm, I'll I'll wait for that phone call. Yeah, there you go. 
Okay, uh, another one I like, and this is one I bought recently just because I wanted to give money to the developer. Uh, (laughs) uh, Are you familiar with this app? It's called Better Touch Tool, and it like supercharges the Magic Trackpad and the trackpad on your Mac. And uh, the developer also has an app in the App Store for money. And I think it was like two bucks. I don't remember how much I spent on it. It's called um, Better Snap Tool. And I said, you know, I got to give this guy something because I love his other app. And so I bought it, and I really find it useful. And it's just one of these apps that snaps um, your windows to the corners or the full screen, kind of a ripoff of the Windows 7 feature that everybody, you know, likes on Windows 7. Uh, but it works really good. So you can pull it up to the corner and get a quarter of the screen. You can pull it to the side and get a half of the screen or the top and get the full screen. And uh, they do a really good job. It goes up in the menu bar, so you can set your preferences and whatnot. Um, and, you know, it's a good app, so I would recommend that one. Better snap tool. Okay. Uh, the next app in my menu bar, David, I know is one you don't like, but I think it's just because you're not using it right, um, is Tech Tracker. Uh, this is, used to be the old version tracker. It was taken over by CNET. Um, and it is free software that you can download from CNET. It's cross-platform, works on Macs and PCs. Um, it has an accompanying uh, system preference pane, but it will go out... Uh, and it will search your Mac for all of your third-party software, because uh, as we know, most of our software that we buy, either through the Mac App Store or you know from Apple itself, is its own built-in updater through the Apple system, uh, software update. Um, but it goes out and it looks and it sees what software do you have that's available. And I started using this initially when all of these flash concerns started coming out and all these flash vulnerabilities and memory links and issues, um, and I realized that I was using a lot of uh, software that was out of date. So um, I just let it run in the background. The the major annoyance was that for the longest time, I kept getting all of these emails saying, oh, you've downloaded this software. Go go rate it. Oh, there's an update. Go get it. Oh, do this, do this. And I was just getting all of these emails all the time because, as you might imagine, I have a lot of software that's constantly getting updated. But um, I figured out how to go into my CNET um, preferences on the web and, and disable all of that. And now I'm not getting any email notifications anymore. But I've got it set to run once a week. Uh, and it's got it either pops up or it's got a little notification in my menu bar, and it just says you have four updates available, and you can go get them and download them. And it just makes me feel better to keep all my software to the extent I can up to date. Yeah, you know, I have to uh, say, I, I I trashed Tech Tracker recently on one of our shows. I don't remember which one. It might have been the roundtable. I don't remember. Yeah, but I got an email from somebody who works on the Tech Tracker team and is a listener to the show, and he's like, "Hey, you know, let me help you out. What's wrong?" <laughs> felt terrible, you know, because, hey, it's one of our faithful, man, and and I didn't speak well of his product, but it was just the emails that was bugging me, and I did get the email thing sorted out, and uh, I'm going to try this after our show. I'm going to get up in the menu bar and see how that works, although I have to say I'm, I'm really getting hooked on the App Store and just the idea of having all this stuff managed for me. Well, and I agree that that's how things are going to be in the future, but it's going to take me a while to get everything on the App Store. Yeah, I, I, I am not going to I'm not going to go rebuy all of my apps just so I can manage them through the app store. And maybe, although I doubt it, at some point, Apple will come up with some method to to merge or to bridge. I don't know. Me either. But I think as they come out with upgrades, uh, you're going to find that the developers are going to find ways to get you into the app store. And I hope so. Uh, you know, as you know, like we, I just recently bought the upgrade to Gus Mueller's uh uh, image program. What was that one called again? Uh, hold on one second. 
just on the tip of my tongue, and everybody at home is listening, saying uh, Acorn. Acorn, of course, Acorn. And you know, I've been buying that from Gus for years, and he came out with the newest version, and he had a discount in the app store, so I just bought it there, and now I know it's updated and everything. So That is nice. Mm-hmm. But we're here to talk about menu bar apps, so let me continue. Um, another one that I really like, uh, and I don't use it all the time, but when I do use it, it's very helpful, is Mouse Posey. You ever use that before? I I keep meaning to. I I know about it. I just can't find a reason to get into it except for once or twice a month, and then I'm like, yeah, I'll, next time I'll try it. Yeah. So Mouse Pose is an app that allows you to highlight the cursor and do all these other visual effects while you're making presentations or screencasts. And I don't use it all the time, but I get every time I do these, like when I did these OmniFocus screencasts, I got a bunch of emails from people saying, "Well, how did you make the words appear on the screen, or how did you show your keystrokes?" Just mouse pose, and that's in the app store, and it does a great job. So uh, that's one I use all the time. Now, what does it do in the menu bar, though? It, it that's how you turn all the switches off and on. Oh, okay. Like said, it just shows up in the menu bar. So, and that's another one. I got. In fact, I bought that in the speaker room at MacWorld this year. I was getting ready to go present, and I said, you know, I just need an easy way to show keystrokes for some sample stuff I'm going to do. Yeah. And uh, so I just went and bought it, and I, I like it. Yeah. yeah, Mouse Pose is also in the App Store. Yeah. Oh, I need to stop looking in the this App Store. It's going to be an expensive it episode. It is going to be an expensive episode. All right. Um, another one that I use all the time is Evernote. Have you found a use for Evernote yet, David? I know you try every year. Uh, no, you know, I'm not really a big Evernote user. Okay. Uh, I use Evernote all the time. I'm using it more and more, especially with this house project. And that's just where it, it has become my external brain. I've got everything in there. Um, and Evernote has a menu bar app, which I use quite frequently to either create a new note or to paste things ever to Evernote. Or you can clip um, screenshots into Evernote or search Evernote. It's just, you know, runs in the background and, and I can always easily access Evernote. Um, through the menu bar. So I throw it up there and keep it going. You know, there's a really good book about Evernote called Evernote Essentials by Brett Kelly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like the the go-to source for figuring out Evernote. And Brett actually lives near me. So we've met and uh, had breakfast together. He's a nice guy. And, you know, I was telling him, I said, the problem with Evernote for me is it's just kind of a, I don't really have a problem that I need that solution for. You know, and and I know they're getting making it better, and I don't know where they've got with their export, but at this point, at least, I just don't seem like I need it. But one of these days, okay, okay. Um, let's see. How about? Uh, oh, here's a good one. Have you tried log me in ignition? Oh, you stole it from me. <laughs> oh, did I? Yes, but that's okay. Go ahead. I'll talk about it oh. with you. Okay, so I, I was using all these different, you know, remote access apps from my phone and my iPad to get into my uh, to get into my Mac. And there was two or three of them I bought over there, and they're all really expensive. And in the process of writing iPad at work, I said, I need to take a look at some of these others. And a lot of people have been talking about LogMe and Ignition, so I got a copy. And it's, it's the best by far. I mean, I just think it's great. They did it so you can access files. Uh, the client is really easy to, to set up, and uh, it's in my menu bar all the time. Yeah, I actually use LogMeIn for a little bit of a different. I, I use it 
Let's back up and let's talk a little bit about what it does. It not only allows you to access your Mac, because you, you'll install it, at least, and, and everything I'm using is in the free version. I don't know, David, if you pay for the advanced features of the other versions, but with the exception of the iPad slash iPhone app, everything I use is free. Yeah, so and that's me too. So you can get a, a paid version and you can have remote access between computers. So if you want mm-hmm. your Mac to access your work computer or things like that, you can, you can buy a subscription, I think. Model. Actually, but, I'll tell you all about that in a minute. Yeah, uh, but the uh, for the Mac, I'm sorry, for the iPad, you just buy the iPad app and then you're in. You don't need to pay any extra. Well, actually, I'm not paying anything other than I paid for the, the app, which is a hybrid app that will work on the iPhone and the iPad. Um, yeah. And I installed LogMeIn on my personal computer at home so I could use my iPad and my iPhone as long as my computer was, was on to access it. But then what I did is I went through and I logged into my LogMeIn, my account, on my um, family's computers. And I set up my mom's computer, my dad's computer, um, both sets of grandparents' computers. And th- and this is multi multiple computers, multiple platforms, some Macs, some PCs. Uh, and I installed it on their machines so that my account could access their machines, with their permission, of course. Um, because it was kind of getting to the point where of, if you can't access your email, please don't ask me to drive all the way out at 1030 at night to get that one thing you need out. You know, yeah. it's much easier for me just to click, 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 click. Um, so I can now log into log me in on the website. And again, I don't pay for this. And through the web interface, assuming that I, all I can say is, okay, is your computer on? All right. As long as their computer's on and they haven't messed with the configuration, um, I can log in and control their computer. It's very cool. And the menu bar icon on my computer, at least, is how you turn it on and off. My dad has figured out how to turn it off so that I can't access his computer. He swears that ac- that's accidental. But yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love it. It's, it's made uh, technical support for me a lot easier. And before I was using screen sharing and iChat, and, and, but, you know, those weren't very good class, cross-platform solutions, and now it just works. So I guess it's my turn now. Um, the other one that I, I use quite a bit, and I think, David, you turned me on um, with a Mac Sparky post on this, is Flash Frozen. Uh, Flash Frozen is an app. It's now available in the App Store that will monitor your Flash usage and warn you when you reach certain levels. So, for example, um, you can tell it, you know, when is Flash peaking at, you know, 30% of my CPU usage, 40 or 50% of my CPU usage. And that little menu bar icon, which is normally gray, will light up and turn red and you don't have to be doing too much with flash before that will light up um and you had it also has an auto kill mode um so if you don't want any flash of any kind to run on any pages um you can check the little box and auto kill any flash usually that's kind of excessive for me so what i do is i use um flash frozen in conjunction with click to flash in safari um and it's made my web browsing a much more pleasant experience to keep flash from Going out of control. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense than what I do. I just don't run Flash. Oh, how, how do you not run Flash at all? You just don't have Flash installed on your machine? No, I mean, when I got the MacBook Air, it didn't have Flash. I said, I wonder how long I could go without it, and I'm still going. And then I took it off the iMac. Uh, I do cheat a little bit, however, in the, uh, and I think I got this from John Gruber. I think he posted it, or not sure who posted it. I think it was Gruber. But anyway, uh, so what you do is you you don't install Flash on your Mac, uh, but you do install Chrome, which has a Flash component built into it. And I normally use Safari as my browser, and you can enable the development mode in Safari in the preferences. And then so if you ever hit a, a page that has Flash and you absolutely feel you have to see it, 
you can just go to the develop menu and say open this page in, in Chrome and then you'll be able to watch it. But I probably do that like once a month. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So I, I, it seems like a waste of time too, though. I mean, you have to go and do all those extra clicks. Yeah. I, I used to just use, like you, you know, click the flash and that seemed to, to work just fine. But it, it feels kind of nice not knowing that you're, you know, running your machine down. I had this friend who was complaining to me, and I may have talked about this on the show before because I'm old and I forget. But he says, my wife's computer has got a broken battery. Did I talk about this? They both bought know. iMacs. They both, I'm sorry, they both bought MacBooks the same day. And so they had these, you know, his and hers MacBooks. And he's complaining to me. He says, you know, the, the Apple's great, Mr. Apple, Sparky guy, but uh, the, my wife's computer is defective. And, and I said, what do you mean? He says, my battery lasts like four or five hours. Hers, it lasts like one. And I said, well, maybe you got a bad battery. You should bring it in. Turns out it was just that she likes to play uh, Flash games on Facebook. And it was she was killing her battery twice as fast as he was killing his. That makes sense. And it's just, you know, it's just the, the story for me whenever I think about that. Mm. Like, okay, I don't want Flash on my computer. Yeah, don't blame you. Maybe I'm a fanboy. I don't know. Must be. Okay. All right. So it's my turn, right? Your turn, yep. Okay. Uh, you know, Dropbox. Oh, yeah. Dropbox is always in my launch bar. Always. And I, I use it all the time. I... I use it to open the website. I use it to get into my folder, although I can also use LaunchBar to do that. Um, but it's, uh, it's a great app, and uh, I think it's in a lot of people's uh, um, uh, menu bar. But, you know, one thing I do in my menu bar, and this is just kind of the uh, anal retentive part of me, is I don't like a lot of color up there. I like them all basically black and white if I can. And the uh, uh, Dropbox has a preference where you can set it. So it's just a dark icon, and you don't get all the color. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. In fact, I think that's yeah. one of the only places where you can reach um, set the Dropbox preferences is yeah. in the menu bar. And if you haven't already, go in and, and, and check them out because um, there's some great options in there, like doing the sync over LAN and, and other things. Okay. So. Your turn. Xmarks. Do you use Xmarks? No. Oh, I was terrified when I thought that Xmarks was going to go away. Xmarks is a password syncing, or sorry, I said that wrong. Xmarks is a bookmark syncing service um, that will sync your bookmarks across all of your web browsers, Macs, PCs, you know, Safari, Chrome, Firefox, Internet Explorer, uh, whatever you're using, Xmarks will sync your bookmarks. And it really makes, um, you know, almost using, you know, if you use Xmarks in conjunction with a product like 1Password, it really makes, you know, what web browser you use, you know, almost kind of a non-issue. Because your, your yeah. bookmarks are all there, um, so the Xmarks system preference uh, is installed in this particular case for Safari because Safari doesn't have an Xmarks extension. Um, the way that they do it is through the system preferences. So I've got mine set to um, automatically link, and then I've got extensions installed in Google Chrome and Firefox, and then I've also got Xmarks installed on my PC at work. But it keeps all of my uh, bookmarks and sync across all of my devices. It's free for basic use, or you can pay a very nominal fee a year uh, and get some advanced features. Yeah, and because I just work in Safari and I, I pay my dues to mobile me, I've just never had any for it. Well, but by keeping Xmarks working between, because I don't use Safari on my PC at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I did for a while and I was having issues with that. But So by keeping Xmarks 
um, going, which then keeps Firefox on my PC at work in sync with Safari on my Mac at home. Using MobileMe then to keep Safari in sync with all of my iDevices means that if I bookmark a site at work, it pretty quickly shows up on my iDevices too. Yeah. Right. So uh, another one I like is Transmit, yeah. and uh, that's you know it's the FTP client, but they have a really nice menu bar icon that lets you get into stuff quickly. And so if you have need to share files over networks or get into FTP uh, sites, uh, Transmit's a great app for that, and they have a very nice little menu bar icon. Um, the next one I use is still in beta, but I haven't had any problems with it, and it is the menu bar app for CrashPlan. Uh, CrashPlan is the online backup service that I use, um, and I have a couple of different CrashPlan, I don't know if they're called profiles, but um, uh, just profiles, I guess, that I use where I back up um, both locally to my Drobo and then I back up to the CrashPlan crowd, so the, or cloud, so those are, are two different, in, not instances of CrashPlan, but I guess two different jobs within crash plan that run on different schedules sometimes so uh, especially when i'm podcasting though because it runs so frequently because i'm a little paranoid about my backups um, i don't necessarily want crash plan backing up to the cloud while we're podcasting and because that will create some network issues so um, with the menu bar app i can at a glance see when the last time my backup was run what the status is of my backup if my backups are running right now but I can also pause them, so I can pause my backups for like an hour or four hours or a day or, you know, however long I need to if I don't want them using those those network resources. And because I'm backing up wirelessly, either wirelessly to the Drobo in my house or wirelessly to the cloud, pretty much any of my backups are going to take up some network resources, whether they be internal or or up to the cloud. So I, I like to pause those while we're podcasting. Yeah. Well, I, I like another one that I like is Text Expander. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got all the little buttons. Now, they've really expanded the menu bar functions of Text Expander. And I know you can put keyboard combinations to some of these, but I, I use it all the time. I like editing the last expanded snippet. If you catch an error in a snippet, you can go edit it right from the menu bar. And you can also search your snippets. And I've got lots and lots of snippets, and occasionally I forget what the you know keyboard shortcut for one was that I don't use very frequently. Uh, hit the menu bar and just type in a few few words from the uh, expansion and it'll find it for you and then you'll remember. So uh, I think they've done a really good job with improving the uh, menu bar functionality of Text Expander. Yeah. Um, another one I use is one that I also learned from you is the uh, Chronosync widget. I've got uh, a couple of sync jobs that happen every day or every couple of days where uh, files that are on my MacBook Air's hard drive are getting synced over automatically either to external drives or over the network to my Drobo. And uh, Chronosync will, the Chronosync menu bar app, I think I called it a widget a minute ago, but the Chronosync menu bar app will show you um, uh, the recently scheduled syncs and um, what syncs you have coming up. And you can also suspend your syncs and just see what's going on and make sure that everything's running smoothly. Chronosync really is a great app. I mean, they did a good job of making it easy to do that backup. And I think it's free upgrades for life. Yeah. Once you buy it, you've got it. The, uh, another one that I use is the Apple script, uh, icon, or I guess I, I Apple script menu item, which is in the Apple script application, the preferences. And it's great because if you collect a bunch of Apple scripts, even if you don't write Apple scripts, but you collect them, this gives you a quick way to, to activate them. Yeah. Um, Although 
before I get done, people will say, Dave, what about fast scripts? Yeah. Fast scripts does it too. While we're kind of in the realm of, of Apple supplied menu bar items, one of the ones that I use that's not typically on by default is the keychain menu bar item. Um, in your keychain preferences, you can turn on the menu bar item. And the reason I like this, and although I do use hot corners as well, is because right within the menu bar, you can um, lock your screen and you can lock all of your keychains. And I think this is great, you know, if you're just stepping away from your Mac for a moment. And, you know, maybe you're, I mean, I think if you're stepping away from your Mac and your Mac's not locked in your home, you should probably be at the at minimum, um, you know, locking your screen. I never thought of that. That's a good idea. Yeah. And one of the things while we're talking through some of the Apple uh, menu bar items is that the option key trick, um, they have usually two different menus. Sometimes if you click on them with the option key, you get more preferences. Like really when I was talking about the, uh, the volume one, and I'll go through that now. So, you know, you click on the volume menu bar um, icon and it just gives you a simple slider to set the volume of your Mac. You hold the option key down, however, it gives you a whole bunch more. It allows you to pick what your output device and your input device and gives you a link to go straight to the sound preferences. Right. That's, that's one I keep on. Right. Um, another one that I use, which is, it almost feels cheating to call it one menu bar application, but it, it is, and it's free, is called menu meters. And I know people use different versions but of, of apps that will do the same thing, but I've just always gotten used to menu meters. Um, and I really started using this um, when I was thinking about upgrading to the MacBook Air, but was questioning whether or not the processor and the uh, memory would be enough for my needs. So before I, I made the decision to buy the MacBook Air, I installed menu meters on my old MacBook Pro and started really monitoring how much of my CPU I was using, how much of my memory I was using to see were some of the limitations of the MacBook Air going to be okay for me. And what menu meters does, and it's completely customizable, is it allows you to monitor your CPU usage, your disk activity, your memory usage, and your network activity in your menu bar. And you can turn those all on or some of those on, and you can customize how you use them. Um, so right now I'm looking at the percentage of use on each of my two processors. It's hanging right around 16 17% with just Skype and, uh, and uh, Omni Outliner open. Um, and it also I'm monitoring... Uh, network traffic coming in and out, and that has been very helpful with troubleshooting because when my ISP tells me one thing, I can look up right there and say, uh, no, that's not true, and and tell them something else. Um, and I'm also looking at my memory, and I can see exactly how much memory I've used and how much memory is free to see, okay, well, you know what, I'm, I'm really glad I went with this uh, four gigabytes worth of memory in the MacBook Air because had I gone with just the two, I would have been paging out already. Yeah, and uh, the the option to that is iStat menus, which is the other one. Right. And uh, generally, I always felt that menu meters is a little more efficient, and iStat menus is a little more pretty. And uh, but they both do the same thing. I use iStat menus for a long time. Recently, I disabled it though because I I got the um, a different app that made by the same company called MyStat, which just goes into dock. And I was running out of room in my menu bar, and I just didn't want to use up all that space, but. One of the things I always really liked about it is that it's got you can put bars up there for your CPUs, and you know that's something that you know you want to be aware of if your computer you know starts spinning up. But you know I kind of find that anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm about out. Do you have any other menu items? Yeah, I have a couple more. Okay. Um, you know the uh, 
I use some of the Apple app, you know, the Apple. Oh, menu well, I have the Apple menu launch too, but okay. Okay. So like I use the show character viewer and that's from the keyboard preferences. And so whenever you want to put in an, a unique symbol or something, it makes it easy to put it in to your, uh, to your document. And that's an Apple app. And how do you activate that one? You just click on it and it says show character viewer and then you open it up and it gives you a list of like the section symbol and the other stuff that you like. Sometimes I want to put in a, an arrow or something, whether it's a keynote presentation or a document, uh, there's a whole lot of symbols and, uh, it makes it very easy to drop them into the existing document. No, no. I mean, how do you turn it on to begin with? That's in the uh, keyboard system preferences, right? Yeah. Uh, Uh, it's got keyboard system preferences, keyboard tab, show keyboard and character viewer in menu bar. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any more? Um, Are you out? I have a couple more if you'd like. Okay. Well, okay, I, I, I use, use the, the standard Apple ones, um, but go ahead. Yeah, these are all standard Apple ones I'm going through. Now. Okay. I, I like the, uh, the Wi-Fi meter that Apple has. Yeah, I use that one too. Once again, clicking the option key and tapping that one gives you a lot more information. Uh, signal strength. You can see what channel you're on, what type of security you're using. This is, um, you can use it a little bit to troubleshoot um, and see if you've got interference because you can see the strength and you can see the channel that you're on, but you'll only see yeah. that if you're actually connected to the network. And I have a cool dashboard app uh, to follow up on this when we get to that. Okay. And uh, then I use the Bluetooth one, uh-huh. uh, which allows me to see how things are going with my Magic Trackpad any other Bluetooth devices I have enabled. Right. And uh, I keep the eject button up there just occasionally. If something gets stuck, it seems to help. Okay. And uh, then I also use the mobile me sync and the uh, time machine. Yeah. I've got both of those too. And that's really it. I I used to play with some of these uh, clock menu bar apps where you could put fuzzy time up there where it says, you know, quarter to 10 or whatever. But you know, I just need space in my menu bar, and having a, a small display of the clock is enough. Right. All right. Well, I think we've covered menu bars then. All right. Well, it's it, it's fun to collect these little apps, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what people what other people are using. Uh, I don't really worry too much about it using up too much memory. My computer seems to run just fine, and I install them with abandon. And for me, it's kind of a fluid process. I mean, these these apps are always changing. I'm always finding new things I want to put up there. Uh, but, you know, there it is. So let's uh, hear what you've got at home. Yeah. Leave us a comment on the blog post over at MacPowerUsers.com. All right. Well, let's talk about our first sponsor. Our first sponsor is Smile and their wonderful product, PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro. You know, I was a hero at work this week. Excellent. All, you do? all because of PDF Pen. Um, one of my senior partners, who shall we say is perhaps not the most computer savvy, uh, was emailed a PDF document of a contract, a multi-page contract, that uh, he was asked to comment on and then to revise and make modifications to. And so he couldn't do this because he wanted to be able to open it in Microsoft Word. So he emailed it to another partner of mine who is a little more tech savvy and these two guys spent I think about an hour in total you know this is an hour and two partners billable time supposedly um, you know trying to get this contract out of Adobe Acrobat something or other and keep in mind that my office has paid the gazillion dollars for the full version of Adobe Acrobat although because it's so expensive we haven't kept it up to date and they were just having all kinds of trouble so after about an hour or an hour and a half me being uh, low woman on the totem pole got emailed the file and said here 
make this into Word. And I popped it open on my PC at work and looked at it for about 10 seconds and said, Nyeh. So I, uh, I pulled my Mac out, PDF Pen was installed, uh, transferred the file over to my Mac, and uh, quickly OCR'd the file using PDF Pen, and within about two minutes had emailed the file back to my senior partners, copied both of them on it, and said, here you go. And we were done. Yeah, um, all right. They were both in my office and within five minutes saying, how'd you do that? Uh, and I just said, um, well, I, I could show you, but you can't do it on that machine. Yeah, get a Mac. Yeah, yeah. They said, "Well, we need to get that program," and I said, "Well, it, it, it's going to involve some switching here." So, well, you could do you could do OCR on Adobe Acrobat, but it would just cost you four hundred dollars more. Exactly. Yeah, that's the point. Um, a PDF Pen is a great app. It's a fraction of the price of Adobe Acrobat, which is only comes in a Pro model on the Mac. And it gives you most all of the features they have. I just I just love PDF Pen. Use it all the time. Yeah, I was able to quick copy the text out, paste it into Word, and um, we did you know proofread it, and it was it was just about flawless, with the exception of some you know graphics and all that was in the in the contract that we had to pull out separately. But uh, the text OCR was flawless. So, and they've added a new feature recently where it does encryption. Yeah, new version um, five point three added one hundred and twenty eight bit and two hundred and fifty six bit AES encryption, along with support for Unicode passwords. So that was a big bonus. Yeah. Well, I, I just think that uh, Smile Software does an amazing job with PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro, and I want to thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, you can find PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro either on the Mac App Store or on their website at smilesoftware.com. PDF Pen will render you $59.95 for a license, and PDF Pen Pro is $99.95, and all of their software has a 90-day money-back guarantee. You know, we do get a lot of email from listeners who uh, like to support our sponsors but want to use the Mac App Store, and they say, well, what do I do? Because I want them to know that we found it through you. If you just want to send them a note, you know, send them an email, tell them, okay, I bought it through the App Store, but we really like the Mac Power users. That helps us. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we covered the menu bar. Let's talk about docs. And I'd like you to go first because I know that you're, you're kind of a doc extremist. All right, so you want me to go through the apps I have in my doc? <laughs> yeah. Do we have enough time? Are you sure? Okay. <laughs> Go. Are you done? Yep, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Yeah, it's kind of like a religious thing, you know. Some people like really, and the same thing with the uh, with the dashboard. It's like like Tim Verporten, man, he hates that dashboard. You know? Well, I mean, I mean, uh, obviously, I do have the the apps I'm running in my doc. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do have something interesting. Well, I guess I should explain. I, I am a doc minimalist. I don't know. I've never gotten into the doc. For, for whatever reason, and the only apps I have are the apps that are currently running in the dock. Although, however, um, and I, I, I really should get rid of this because I don't use it hardly at all now, now that I use LaunchBar, but I'll share this tip for what it's worth. It may help somebody out there. Um, I did create for what we'll call, I call it a toolbox, maybe you'll call it a launcher um, in my dock. I also did this in my iPhone dock, by the way, too. Um, where I just have a single folder in my doc with uh, my applications, with an alias to my applications folder in it, as well as aliases to, you know, let's say one, two, three, four, let's say the eight most frequently used applications on my Mac. So I can just quick pop in the doc and, and launch them. But I, I really don't use that even now because I use LaunchBar. Yeah, I'm looking at my doc right now. I've got about 
looks to me like about 18 apps on it. And then to the right side of the bar, I've got uh, several things as well. I, I, I like to use my dock, uh, although I do hide it. I don't have it so it's up all the time. In order to access it, I have to drag the mouse down to the bottom of the screen. See, I don't do that because I find that I act accidentally activate my dock when I drag my mouse down to the bottom of the screen. And then I'm just like, ooh, go away. I don't want you. I want something else. Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple things about the dock, and, and people are really uptight about this. Um, you put it on the left side or you put it on the bottom or the right side. On these widescreen monitors, it definitely makes more sense to put it on the left side. But for some reason, I keep ending up with it at the bottom of my screen. But I've, I do tried, it. I've tried to have it on the left side. I always end up with it back at the bottom. Yeah. And um, so and the, my philosophy about what I put on my dock, once again, is kind of helter-skelter. I just kind of put stuff on there, like new apps I'll, I'll put on there because I want to use them and I want to make sure I remember that they're there. Uh, like when I'm downloading some of this stuff from the app store recently, I'll, I'll keep something in the dock for a while just to kind of make sure I kind of kick the tires enough. Because sometimes I'll, I'll have apps and I'll forget I have them and stop using them. Um, and I do have the apps that I'm currently running, obviously, uh, open. And uh, a couple apps that I need to remember to keep open, like iChat. You know, when I'm on a trip or something, I'll keep iChat down there because I want to make sure to keep it open so I can catch my kids or my wife when they're available. And... You know, so I, I don't really have a magical way to do it. One of the things I'm doing in this new book is I'm, and this is my big secret, is I'm going to put QR codes throughout the book. Because one of the things I wasn't happy with the first one is if you're reading the book, how do you get to the app? And the um, the App Store uh, links for these iPad apps are, are horrendous. You can't put those in a book. Uh, so I'm putting QR codes so you can just scan it with your iPad or your iPhone and jump to the page. So I've got a little QR generator because I'm running through currently, you know, pulling uh, links down for the book and I'm creating QR codes. And so I've got an app for that, you know, so whatever it is what, that I'm doing um, a lot of what QR the totally off subject, what QR reader do you use for the iPhone? Um, there's several, I think there's one called Jade scan. I don't have it in front of me right okay. now, but I mean, they're all about the same. Yeah. I mean, all I needed to do was, is take me to a link. So, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll pick a couple and recommend them when I get the book done. Okay. But anyway, so I'm, that's one of the things I'm doing. And so I'm using some new apps. So I, I put them in there. Another one is I downloaded Timbo, uh, which is the guy who makes um, Hootaspot. Okay. Okay, so Hootaspot guy has a, a kind of a stripped-down version called Tembo, and I wrote about it at Max Barkey, but I'm keeping it in my, my, uh, my dock because I want to get used to using it so it's down there for a while. So I don't really care. You know, I'll put apps in there. I'll drag them off, and uh, it doesn't really bother me that much. So you know, I'm hiding it because it's because I don't want to see it all the time. But when I drag down, I get to it, and I don't accidentally trigger it enough to be a problem. And that's kind of how I roll with the dock. Uh, there's a lot more you can do with it, though. Uh, one of the tricks is is you right-click on the little uh, landing strip between the left side and the right side of the dock, and that opens up the preferences, so you can turn hiding off or on or magnification. And I don't use magnification. Oh, I can't so. stand magnification. So tacky. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's fine. And there's, there's preferences. Uh, if you use the Secrets app, and this is the app out by... Um, the guy who did uh, Quicksilver. It's kind of it's a, a little uh, preference app, and it's got the magic incantation in there where you can add the um, the special items to the right side of the dock, like recent documents and recent apps. And I did post on that at Max Barky a while back. But this it's a great improvement to the dock. And so what it is is you you run this, and it adds essentially an icon to your dock, which you can set to be the most recent applications you ran, the most recent documents, the most recent servers you've accessed, your favorite volumes or your favorite items. So it really does a, a great job of 
adding this functionality to the dock. I think it's something internal at Apple that never really got approved for the final build, but they went ahead and left it in. So you have to go into the terminal and do all this magic stuff to make it appear. But using secrets, you can just install it with a click. Right. Have you ever used that? Um, I haven't used that. I do use another app, though, with the dock because, you know, I'm so anti-dock. Um, I use a program called Dockless. Have, you, have I talked about that on the show before? Yeah, I think you did a long time ago. Okay. There are a lot of applications now um, that, for example, mail um, uh, SpamSieve that I use to um, – uh, it's excellent uh, junk mail filter for, for Apple Mail. Um, Text Expander, now that it's a full-fledged um, desktop app, but yet I want to be running all the time. So there are a lot of applications that I want to be running all the time. Um, Launch Bar – but so I don't want them to be in the dock. Now, some of these applications like Text Expander and like LaunchBar will have options to show and hide their icon in the dock. However, sometimes, and the applications usually will tell you this, when you, when you click these options to show and hide their icons in the dock, you are limiting yourself for other reasons because of the way that they do it. You're limiting some of the functionality with the program. Um, so what I do is I use a program called Dockless. It's a free program. And it will allow you to keep an application from showing up in the dock. So, for example, every t- if my mail.app is open, uh, spam sieve is open, and it's sieving off my spam. But yet, it's I, I love the program. It's got kind of an ugly icon, and I just don't interact with it. I don't want to see it, so I don't want to see it in my dock. Um, so I use Dockless to get rid of it. Yeah. See, and I don't care. Ugh, drives me crazy. Uh, there's a lot of people that feel that way. I hear about that all the time, but I, I've got to the point where I just don't care. Yeah. Although hiding it is what really was the uh, the thing that helped me. If I had all that stuff open, I had to look at all that color at the bottom of the screen all the time. I think it would be distracting. Well, I tell you what I just did while we were talking. Um, I think hiding it at the bottom was my problem. So I just moved my dock to the left side and set it to hide. So we'll live with that for a couple of days and see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, you know, that's kind of it for the dock. Uh, use what you want and, uh, but do check out those, uh, those extra extensions where you can improve the, uh, the functions. Uh, the other thing I do in the dock is I have it collapse documents into the, into the application icons. That was a snow leopard edition. I do that as well. Again, just as a way to keep, uh, the, the dock smaller. However, you, I, I have found that it's easy to lose things that way. Hey, you just uh, press and hold against the application icon and then it shows you what's down there. No, it does, but I mean, it's easy to forget that you've got something open down there. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about our next sponsor? Yeah, let's talk about our next sponsor, and that is 1Password. Yeah, so they're, they're, they've announced now that they've got the Safari plugin for Lion, and I guess I can say that I've been using Lion without talking about what it does, and they didn't have the 1Password plugin for Safari and Lion, and it's been driving me nuts. So I'm really happy that they fixed that. I mean, you don't realize how much you value an app until you get it taken away from you for a while. And it's not entirely away from me. just I couldn't use the, the great Safari functions. Yeah. Um, so 1Password will allow you to create strong, unique passwords in these day and ages of um, you know security breaches at every corner, uh, Websites being compromised. There is no excuse now to be using the same password across multiple websites. Uh, it's cross-platform. Your passwords are on your Mac. They can be on your PC. They can be on your iPhone. They can be on your iPad. 
that was really my big hesitation is I didn't want one password to make up this totally unique password that I could never remember in my head because I was afraid that I would be somewhere and not have access to it. Um, the fact that it's multi-platform and everywhere means that I always have pass, uh, access to all of my passwords. And part of that happens through the magic of Dropbox where it just syncs whenever you need it. So, Yeah, and you know, there's a big deal about this Mac Defender virus out there, Trojan. Yep. Everybody's you know really excited about it, and I can understand. I mean, that's scary. But I think what more Mac users are getting caught in every day are phishing scams, and uh, you know, password, um, you know, losing their passwords or having their passwords compromised. And one password really solves that problem for you. And you know, we on the Mac are just as vulnerable on any as anybody on the PC with the phishing scams. And uh, one password really makes it go away because it doesn't offer to install your password unless it recognizes this is the right web page for your bank or whatever. Um, it doesn't use the clipboard. It just dumps it in uh, directly from memory. So there's um, no way a keylogger could catch you. It's just a great app. Uh, and they're, like you said, multi-platform. They're everywhere. And I'm just so pleased that we have them as a sponsor. Right. You could buy one password for your Mac for thirty nine ninety nine. There's a family license for sixty nine ninety nine, or for your iOS devices for either fourteen ninety nine for a hybrid license or nine ninety nine for either an iPhone or an iPad license. Uh, if you use our, the link on our website, you can get uh, discounts on any of their desktop applications. So you can find that at onepassword.com. Okay, so the dashboard. Are you uh, equally angry at the dashboard as you are at the dock? <laughs> um, I use the dashboard, although to a uh, much lesser extent than I do the menu bar. Okay. So let's talk some dashboard apps then. Okay. Uh, well, first I want to talk about an app that I use um, to make my dashboard life easier. And I've, I use it less now on the MacBook Air because the MacBook Air is so fast, but it was an app that I used all the time when I was not using a solid-state hard drive. Um, and that is an app called Dashboard Kickstart. We'll put a link to it in the in the show notes. But you know, if you're with the first time you launch your dashboard, depending on how many widgets you have, it can take a minute for it to populate. You know, if you want to get a quick check of the weather or something, and you've got the weather dashboard widget in your in your dashboard, and you pop it open, if it's the first time you've launched your dashboard since you've done a reboot of your Mac, it may take thirty seconds or so for that data to come through because it's got to load all those widgets. Have you had that okay. problem? Yeah, so, and, and once again, I'm using SSD now, so it's not as big of a deal. Right, but, you're right. but it was a big problem um, before I was using an SSD. Um, so what Dashboard Kickstart was is it was a little application, very, very uh, low maintenance, very uh, low resource that you would put in your login items that would kickstart your dashboard um, when your Mac woke up or when your uh, Mac started up so that those items would load in the background so that when you were ready to actually use your dashboard, it would be ready. Nice. Yeah. So All right. there's a little tip. I, okay, so I've got a dashboard app that I really like. Okay. It's called Airlock. And what it does is it's, uh, it searches out the local Wi-Fi, and it gives you the network SSID. It gives you the type of network, whether it's NG or whatever, and it gives you the channel and the security and signal strength. So it gives you a little more information than you get in uh, knowing the type of network and the channel is really helpful when you're at a place and you're having Wi-Fi issues and you can check really quick in an airlock and say, oh, yeah, the next door neighbor is on the same channel as me. So you can go fix that. Easy. It's free and uh, 
great app. I'll put the uh, link in the show notes. Yeah, I used one similar called Air Radar. Okay. But yeah, Air Radar, and that that was an app. That's not a dashboard app, though, right? Oh, I think they had a dashboard version. Oh, did they? Yeah. Okay. Cool. But now that I'm on 802.11n, none of my neighbors are yet, so it's been less yeah. of an issue. Inevitably, they will be, though. Yeah. Uh, and here's one trick about using the dashboard is, uh, you know, if you've got a dashboard app open and you're done with it or you don't want to use it, if you hold the option key down, you can selectively kill them. Just hold the option key and put your mouse over one, then the little X shows up in the top left corner. You can, you can knock it out. Right. Um, one of the more useful dashboard widgets that I've had, but hopefully have not had to, thankfully have not had to use in a while, um, is one for my time machine backups. Um, and it's kind of hard to see what these these dashboard widgets are named because you don't always see the full name. Um, but we'll put a link in the show notes. I think it's just called Time Machine Backups. Um, but what it does is I was having lots of problems, and it turned out to be a bad time capsule ultimately. But I was having lots of problems with my time capsule where it was not connecting or where my backups weren't completing and it was taking forever. Um, and I was constantly having to go in the console and I was seeing these error message. Um, but what this widget does is it, it monitors the console. So basically what it's doing is it's reporting the console messages, but it's monitoring them specifically as to time machine. Um, so it will tell you at a glance the status of your backup. So it will tell you the last backup was done this date, this time, but then it has a um, an open and close triangle that you can open up and you can go backwards, you know, so many backups, and it will tell you exactly what's happening under the hood. So you can say, uh, you know, okay, so it mounted the destination. This is a quick check. The file system is clean. It's, you know, no no backup thinning is needed. It copied this many files for this many backups. Backup was completed successfully. You know, if you look in there and you see that you're, backup is taking forever, you can look in there and you can see exactly what it's doing. And a lot of times you'll see like deep node transversal required. Um, so rather than thinking that, you know, your backup has stalled or that something bad is going on, you can you can look in there and see what's going on. Or if you're getting constant error messages, then you can report that. And I used it as a troubleshooting method with Apple um, to say this is what's going on with my time machine or my time capsule. Nice. So, Yeah. Okay, here's another one, unformat, and it just installs a button in your dashboard. But what that button does, if you click it, is it strips all the formatting out of any text in your clipboard. So if you grab a bunch of text from the web, uh, go to the dashboard, tap unformat, and you can paste it in Word or Pages or whatever, and it takes all the formatting out. That's very cool. Yeah, I like that one. So all you have to do is click the button? Yeah, it's just a button that says unformat. It does a good job. Hmm. Oh, and I misspoke. That that widget, the Time Machine one, was called Time Machine Buddy. There you go. Um, Another one that I use frequently is iCal Events, although I've been using this less frequently since I've got some dashboard widgets that do the same thing. Or uh, menu bar, sorry, menu bar icons that do the same thing. Um, But it's very colorful. Um, Well, not super colorful, but at a quick glance... Um, it will show you what's going on today, and then you can set it for up to three days, five days, seven days in advance um, in your calendar. So I can see, you know, today's what I've got today in my appointments, and then what I've got coming up over the next couple of days, which I like because my my dash um, some menu bar items don't necessarily do that. So I to kind of a quick glance at the week ahead without necessarily having to open up iCal and, and see what's going on. Okay. I got one for you, Mighty Monitor, and it's a, a little monitor that monitors all your Mighty devices, your Mighty Mouse, 
your mighty trackpad and your Apple wireless keyboard and gives you a battery status. And I know you can do that, you know, through the menu bar and stuff, but I like this. It's colorful and easy and quickly you can track it. Like um, right now my my magic trackpad's at thirty nine percent. I need to start putting some batteries in the charger, I think. Okay. Um, probably my favorite widget is called Delivery Status. And it's free, but they have a companion device um, for your iPhone and your iPad called Delivery Status Touch. Um, and what this does is it will take just about any tracking number or information from Apple or Amazon or you know, frequently used services, um, and it will allow you to track them. And it will give you little notifications and tell you as it's progressed along its route. So you can see you know, how many days until this item is estimated to arrive and exactly where it is. So immediately when I get a tracking number, I copy and paste them and I put them into delivery status. And whether I put them in on my Mac, it also has a cloud component, whether I put them in on my Mac or whether I put them in on my iDevice, um, they'll all sync up so they'll they'll all share the information and and uh, have similar information. I second that. Yeah. That is a great app. I like that one. So good that you you can't help but wonder if Apple won't just incorporate that into the OS at some point. But in the meantime, we have delivery status. Yeah. Uh, Another one I really like is called Tea Timer, and it's just a timer to uh, make tea. But it's really just a timer. You know, you can put in as many minutes or hours as you want, and it counts down and gives you a nice satisfying ding. So uh, I use that whenever I'm brewing tea at the office. Yeah. Um, another one, although it's it's an Apple one, but I use it quite a bit, is the dictionary widget. I know you can look up dictionary now in, in Spotlight, or you can you know right-click and say show up in dictionary, but I still use the dictionary widget from time to time if I just want to look something up and, and hide it away. I use LaunchBar for that. Yeah. Okay, uh, here's one. Since we've been talking about all these... Um, uh, Doc, I'm sorry, we're talking about all these widgets, and somebody right now is screaming at their radio, you're filling up memory. Yeah. Uh, there's one called Dash Quit, and it's just a little thing that gives you a status of what you know percentage you're using, and it's got a little square button. If you tap it, it kills all of your dashboard widgets. So if you're starting to get out of control, click that, and they're gone. Useful. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I actually use the calculator in my dashboard quite a bit. Okay. If I need That's the, the standard one, or do you have no. some special one you've done? No, just the standard one that I use. Um, you know, just for quick calculations rather than opening up the calculator app. I know you can do simple calculations, uh, you know, either through LaunchBar or through um, Spotlight, but I still like the calculator widget. Yeah, in terms of Apple widgets, I like the weather widget. I, I think that's just fine. Although I do. Uh, enhance it if you hit the little information button you can uh, Mm -hmm. tick the box to include the lows i do that as well and uh, something people don't know is that you can run multiple instances of these widgets so like the weather one for instance you can have it uh you know one for your your home and you can have one for your office or if you're going vacation so you can have two or three instances running with weather in different places very cool all right Um are you out I think I'm about out. I do have a couple of custom widgets that, you know, I've made from, um, you know, web clippings that I use from here and there. And I think that's something that people overlook is that now with, um, um, although I use RSS feeds quite a bit, but you still have that web clip option where if you want to clip something from a website and create it as a dashboard widget, I have used that from time to time when I can't quite figure out any other way that I want to monitor something on a website without having to open it all the time. 
Yeah, and so if you go to Dash Cards, it starts with a K. It's got the uh, the keyboard shortcuts for your favorite Mac apps. I mean, OmniFocus, Aperture, Address Book Finder, and it presents it on the screen, and you can create a clipping from that that goes onto your dashboard. Right. Oh, oh they have one for Scrivener now, too. I'm going to totally download that. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I did almost forget about one widget that I... I, I use and then I put away when I don't particularly need it. Um, and there is a widget. It's not made by Apple, of course. Um, it, it's made by a third-party company, but it's the Refurb Store widget. I love to buy Apple Refurb products if I'm looking for something. Right now, I'm kind of in the market for a Mac Mini, but I think I'm going to wait a little bit longer. Would you hurry up and buy it? Because I want to do this whole server show I'm again. buying a that. house, David. It's expensive. So, you tell you what. You send me the money. I'll buy the Mac Mini. We'll be done. All right. Um, but um, so when I'm looking for something specific that I want to buy, you can you can download the Refurb Store widget and you link it up to an account on their website um, and tell it what you're looking for, and it will pop up a little widget and tell you when it's available. They also have links to RSS feeds, so you can get RSS alerts as well too. Because you know when you see those deals in the Refurb Store, they don't last long. Yeah. But I I'm I'm the type of person with dashboard widgets where I may have a couple of them, but I don't run them unless I need to. The, yeah. no, I do keep my dashboard pretty clean. And there's one I downloaded called Earth, which gives you a live uh, thing of the spinning globe with all the cloud patterns on it. I don't leave that one running. I'm sure that uses a lot of resources, but it's kind of cool to look at. Um, to manage your widgets, uh, you just hit the little plus um, circle at the bottom left of your screen, and it opens a little dashboard where you can flip through them. Like the flight tracker is another one in there I use all the time when I'm when I'm traveling. Although now that I have the iPhone and the iPad, I don't find myself using that one nearly as much. Yeah, a lot of these have been replaced by the iPhone for me. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, anyway, so there we have it. We've covered the uh, menu bar, the dock, and the dashboard. So uh, let us know what you like and which ones you use because, you know, I'm counting on learning some new stuff from the listeners on this. And uh, let's hit our last sponsor, the launch bar. Yeah, our last sponsor is one of my favorite apps, which has gotten rid of the need for a lot of my widgets and a lot of my menu bars. Yeah. And that's launch bar. Yeah. And one of the features in LaunchBar that uh, I'd like to talk about is the clipboard history. And in some ways, this is almost worth the price of admission alone. So LaunchBar has this really robust clipboard history feature. As you're making your clippings as you go through the day, uh, you're going to be you know, catching up with uh, pieces of text that you're collecting. And then all of a sudden you say, well, I want to paste something that I clipped two or three clippings ago. You know, you've replaced it with something else. And generally in Mac OS X, all you get when you when you paste is whatever was most recently put into the um, clipboard uh, buffer. Well, now with LaunchBar, you can go through and look through, and you can set it to the last 10 or 20 or as many as you want um, within reason uh, clippings. So you can have a list of 20 clippings that you've made, and then you can go and select those. And to activate that, you just activate LaunchBar and type clipboard history, or I just type CH because it's learned as, it's, as I've used it so many times, and that's what I like for my clipboard history. Then you hit Space. And then you have got all those selections, and it tells you what app they came from. Just a great function. And then you just uh, slide the uh, cursor over, pick the one you want, or use your mouse. Tap it, and you're in. It will paste the uh, clipping in. Now, did that make sense? Yeah. That's a great feature. And uh, just one of the many things you can do with LaunchBar. So you can get a license for $35 for LaunchBar, or you can get a family license for the whole family for 60 and they have upgrades starting at fourteen dollars, but uh, it's just this is just one of the many things you can do with LaunchBar. But I find the clipboard history essential. In fact, when I'm on a Mac that doesn't have LaunchBar, that's one of the things I miss most about it: clipboard history. 
And, you know, I think David Wayne was talking about the clipboard history, and that was one of the features that got him first looking at Launch Bar when we were talking to him on our last episode. Yeah, I think he did. Great feature. All right. Well, there are so many features of Launch Bar. We'll try to cover each of them a little bit uh, in our ad spots and future shows. But uh, try it out for yourself. Uh, There's a 30-day free trial. um, And it's. I think once you try it, you'll find that you quickly can't live without it. All right, David. Well, let's let's get to some feedback. We have a lot of feedback about our maintenance episode. We really didn't talk about any feedback um, on our last workflow show, so we've got some some overflow here. Yeah, Mel wrote in, and actually, he was the only one who said, "Hey, what about Applejack?" And he's right. Applejack is a great app you can install that allows you to kind of uh, handle the boot up process. I mean, if something really goes wrong, Applejack allows you to take over, kind of at the root level. And I don't want to misstate this, but I used to use it in Leopard, and when Snow Leopard came out, they didn't have it updated for it, and I never got around to installing it. So I'm not using it, so it didn't come to my mind when we did the show. But it's a good safety net put on your Mac. Yeah, I did the same thing. I don't think I, I've I've always used it, and then when it wasn't ready immediately, I think I forgot to update it. So I'm going to go do that now. So. Um, Parker wrote in and talked about the um, uninstallers, and he says, for uninstalling apps, I really like uh, Synasium Software's Clean app. It keeps a log of files when they get installed and also keeps track of what the community of fellow Clean app users have chosen to uninstall for that app. So it's another option for app uninstallers. Yeah, and Katie, what did you think about this uh, email we got from Noah about PowerPC maintenance? Um... You know, it's still important to do maintenance on power PCs, but I'm I'm not sure that maintenance is really any different on power PCs necessarily than it is um, on on an Intel Mac. Yeah, yeah, and Noah had written in saying, "Look, I've got a power PC. Does anything change?" Yeah, I, I'm not sure that it does, and I would just say, um, with an and, and one of his other questions was, I think, with an older Mac, do I need to be, you know, do I need to be even more vigilant with my maintenance? And I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think you just need to be even more vigilant in general because if you've got an older Mac, you're probably more susceptible to certain types of failures. If the hard drive hasn't been replaced, you know, typically three years or so after that, you're kind of on borrowed time for a hard drive. So I, I think you need to be more weary and more careful and aware of those types of things coming up if you're running an older machine. Yeah. And the uh, uh, one of the points he had made was, you know, or one of the points I was thinking about was, I think if he's running Tiger on his Mac and that's what he's doing, I think you have to be a little more vigilant about the daily, monthly, weekly. I don't think the Mac is as smart about doing those automatically for you. I think those were the days when we had to make sure those happened. Right. Whereas now, with the modern Macs, we're not worried. The, the operating system's got smarter about making that happen. Right. Uh, we did get an email from my friend, Ernie the Attorney. Uh, Ernie, I'll put a link for him in the show notes. Really smart guy, nice uh, friend of mine and a co-speaker at the ABA Tech Show. And was saying how he had just listened to our episode and his sister-in-law's computer had a problem and they couldn't figure it out and he just zapped the PRAM and it fixed it. Uh-oh. And now everyone, everyone in his family thinks he's brilliant. So It can work. Sometimes it's like a rubber chicken, but it can work. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had a listener write in. Um, I'm going to butcher this name. I apologize. Uh, McCola? Uh, David, any thoughts? I, 
Mikolaj, maybe? Yeah. Uh, on Disk Inventory X. And I, I missed these two. We didn't really think about these as, as maintenance and utility tasks, but, but these are great tools. Um, but there, there are tools, and Disk Inventory X is one of them. I use Omni Disk Sweeper. Uh, but there is an essential set of tools that we'll go through and we'll tell you um, what all of the uh, apps are on, or what all the things are on your Mac that are taking up space. And they wrote in and said that one essential thing that I do from time to time is to delete the open attachment folder in mail um, that is hiding in the preference folder. And that's very important um, because, you know, if you open an attachment in mail but maybe don't do anything with it, it will just sit there and it will take up space. Um, And although not perhaps a potential harm to Mac users, um, given this recent Mac malware scare, I did uh, load ClamXAV on my grandfather's machine. He runs a, a, a Mac Mini and ran it on his machine, and it did find several PC viruses, many of them uh, living in that attachments folder. Now, they were harmless to him because they were just viruses that had been sent um, in phony email attachments, but I figured, you know, why not clean them up, uh, be, a, be a good Internet citizen? And, you know, he's just a former university professor, so he gets tons and tons and tons of email through the various university systems, and his email, I think, is on everybody's list, so... Yeah, that's a good tip, not only for safety, but uh, you know, also to get rid of some of the cruft. Yeah, and Robert wrote in and said that uh, my statement about Windows having to uninstall uh, down better than the Mac, he says I'm wrong. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know that Windows that, uh, does anything better than the Mac. but Well, uh, well now I guess this one is uh, we can strike off the list. He says it's re- uh, often it doesn't install properly, and sometimes he even had to reinstall Windows to get something off that had you know burrowed its way in. So... I guess that doesn't work as well. You know, I, I just don't use Windows as much as I used to, so I'm, I really shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, Gary wrote in, and this was another kind of um, slap-the-forehead moment for me. We did not mention Safe Boot in our Mac maintenance episode. And that's pretty much a... I don't know if it's a maintenance issue, but it's, it's, it's a troubleshooting issue um, that you can try to safe boot your Mac, and it might suggest... AppleCare does suggest that. Um, as an option, you know, will at least kind of narrow down where your issue is. So. Yeah. Uh, David wrote in, I'm sorry, Dale wrote in, and he had uh, said something to me that, how did I miss this? Uh, he talked about checking the log, you know, that monthly, daily, uh, weekly log. You can check it with a bit of terminal uh, script. And I even wrote about it in Mac at work. I like did, dedicated a page to how you do this. And for some reason, it didn't occur to me to talk about it on our maintenance episode. Whoops. So I'll put something, maybe I'll put a link in. This isn't, you know, I'm not going to read out um, terminal language on a podcast, but we'll we'll figure out a way to do it. But uh, there is a script you can use to check that stuff. Yeah. Um, Cody wrote in with a backup question and um, has an interesting situation, which I think is is one that a lot of people will find themselves in shortly. I'm a first-time ever Mac user. I bought a MacBook or I will be buying a MacBook for college in, in June. And while listening to your show, I was trying to find a way that I could back up my Mac and keep the backup safe. I don't think a physical drive in the dorm room is very secure as it could be stolen. And I don't want to have to think about it. I just want automated backup. And I wonder if an online solution is my answer. Any tips for a soon-to-be college student? You know, David, I think we talked about this a little bit at our back-to-backup episode of Macworld. Um, and a college student's a unique situation because especially if you're in the dorms, you know, maybe you don't want that backup hard drive sitting on your desk, you know, unattended where it can be ripe for anybody's taking. 
Um, I really like kind of a two-pronged solution if you don't want to have a, a backup hard drive, although I would say, you know, having a flash drive with some files saved on it never hurt anybody. But um, Dropbox is an excellent solution. Just set Dropbox, I think, as you recommended, David, to be kind of your default safe place for your documents um, or use some of the other tips that we've talked about to mirror your documents folder to your Dropbox so that pretty much anything you save is going to have one set of, you know, not true backup, but perhaps mirroring to you, to your Dropbox. So that's one safety net. And I really like CrashPlan. I think CrashPlan will work either as a cloud-based backup or, you know, if you're backing up to a hard drive back at the parent's home or something like that. If you don't want to pay for the monthly cloud service, although it's quite inexpensive, particularly on college campuses, you're pretty fortunate that you've got good bandwidth if you're in a dorm room. So that might be something to consider. I'm looking forward to hearing your your thoughts about CrashPlan after you use it a while because I, I still haven't got into an online backup solution. Oh, I use it all the time. I love it. Yeah. So. Okay, so uh, we got a lot of good feedback on the OmniFocus screencasts, which are now done. And uh, thank you to JF for uh, helping me edit them. And they got a lot of downloads. Uh, there's three episodes, and it was a lot of fun doing. But now I'm, I'm digging in on the book. I'm, there's not going to be any screencasts for a little while at least. And uh, uh, just there were several pieces of feedback. One of them I thought was good was from Michael saying, "Hey, how come you're making lists like one of my lists was you know gardening general where I just keep a list of little gardening projects I want to do?" He says that's really not right. And you know, GTD lawyer, you're supposed to have a end to a project, and this one will never end because you're always adding stuff. And I'm like, yeah, well, I cheat sometimes. It just it's easy for me to keep it organized that way. Yeah, I but, do uh, the same thing with groceries. I'm never going to finish my grocery project. Yeah. Uh, but uh, either way, there is uh, there was a lot of great feedback on that. I recommend going and reading those comments because some people had some really good ideas, and it was a lot of fun making those. And thanks everybody for the very nice emails about them. Um, we did get a tip from a couple of users after our workflows episode with David Wayne, and that was you know David talked about how he used Google quite a bit for some fairly confidential information that he's doing. You know, obviously secret stuff that he's doing with unreleased screencasts and. Um, you know, said that he's using super strong passwords with Google and he's, he's changing his passwords regularly. Um, but one of the things that several people mentioned is the Google advanced sign-in features where if your Google account is, is, has to be secure, um, it will add an extra layer of security with a password that will get sent to your phone, in this case probably through an iPhone app, um, that you must enter to get into your account. So it's basically a two-step authentication method, and the phone password changes every couple of minutes. So it's it's a little little bit of a pain, but if you're the type of person that your Google account absolutely positively cannot get compromised, you know it, it may be worth it for the extra level of security. Yeah, I thought that was a good idea. So, All right, well, we, we made it. Got through the end. We got caught up with the feedback. Uh, Katie, how do you contact us? Uh, well, one of the best ways to contact us is to uh, visit our website. You can find the links to everything that we discussed in this show as well as all of our other shows, and that's at www.macpowerusers.com. Yes, you can also send us an email at feedback at macpowerusers.com. Yeah. We're also on Twitter. We're twitter.com slash macpowerusers, or I'm at Katie Floyd. And I'm at MacSparky. So uh, we also have a Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Mac Power Users. Or you can call us on Google Voice. Our Google Voice number is 
407-456-9937 or 706-45-POWER. There's also a link to that on our show notes. And I think all these contact methods are going to be particularly important given our next show. Yes, they are. So what is our next show? Next show, we've done this once before, and I think it's about time to again, is going to be a Q&A show. Um, these are kind of for topics where we get a lot of listener feedback, a lot of questions from listeners, but maybe not enough to do a full hour to hour and a half episode on any particular topic. Yeah, so, and you know, it's either it's too long to cover, which is basic feedback, and too short to give a whole show. So right. we're going to put together three or four of them and cover them. Yeah. So send us your questions. We've got a couple that we think we're going to use, but by no means is the is the outline set in stone. You can call them in. You can send us an audio comment via you know standard MP3 or whatever you want to send us and attach that to an email. You can email us your question and we'll read it. Um, but send us a question, something we we have covered that you want us to follow up on, something that we didn't cover necessarily in depth, um, and and we'll go from there. We'll we'll pick a handful and and we'll try to get them covered. Yeah, and also we love iTunes comments. It helps us get in front of more eyeballs, and we appreciate that. So if you uh, feel inclined, please leave a comment. Yeah. All right, David. I think that's going to about wrap us up. Until next well, first, time. First, I want to give one thanks oh. to our sponsors. Oh yeah, we do have to thank our sponsors. Yeah. Got a lot of help this year. Uh, got some great sponsors on board right now. Smile Software, One Password, The Omni Group, and LaunchBar. Uh, all great sponsors. And thank you for supporting the show. Mm-hmm. So right. we'll see you next time. And uh, we'll be doing our feedback episode. Until then, make sure to drop in those comments about your favorite menu bar, doc, and widgets. Look forward to seeing you. Take care.